What if there was a real conflict going on between the seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman? What if there are spiritual forces far more powerful than natural and human agents? What's going on when a demon tells the truth? When an exorcism leads to an arrest and a beating? And when an earthquake shakes off the chains? Turn with our study leader, Dave Wordson, to Acts chapter 16, verse 16, and let's get some answers. The young woman was amazing. Suddenly, she would begin to undulate like a python. This little diminutive servant girl would suddenly speak in a voice that was like it came from her belly. And amazingly, if you were in the audience, she might pick you out and she would tell your future. She was a fortune teller. Now, from the beginning of time, there's been con artists that try and attempt and they use magic to foretell your future. You can go to Las Vegas and look at a show and you can, you can go right up here to Oak Cliff and you'll see a house that has palm reader behind it. And it's just been part of the con uh, for centuries and it was true in the first century. But this woman had the real thing. She really did have spirits inside of her. And those spirits weren't totally accurate, but they had a lot better insight into what might be in the future than we did. And strangely, of all things, this woman, actually filled with the Spirit, would declare the gospel truth. So what do you do as you open up and you, you begin to join this missionary team? What do you do when you've got a demon-possessed girl that's telling the truth? Does Satan always lie? Second of all, as we move into our account today, we're going to find out what happens when all you do is set someone free and you get arrested for it and beaten and you have your feet put in the stocks. What do you do when, in Texas, we all know about earthquakes and all that kind of stuff. What do you do when an earthquake sets the prison that you're in, just destroys it, shakes the chains off your wrist, and you can walk out? So what in the world do we have as we open up to Dr. Luke? He's an incredible storyteller. I just spent uh, about a week with my granddaughters, Leela and Nora. They love stories. You love stories because it's part of the image of God in us. The ultimate God of the universe is telling the best story of all. If you turn to Acts chapter 16, Luke begins once when we were going to the place of prayer. That's like once upon a time, only this isn't a, a pretend story. Like I, as a papa, often am telling, I'm making up the story as they go along, and my grandkids will say, well, papa, are you making this up? I said, well, kind of. But I want you to know that the best stories are not the ones that you make up, but the best stories are the ones that you're living, and the best stories are the ones that we can go back and live in the first century, and we can see from Dr. Luke how the story of redemption begins to permeate. The very first part of this story is the woman that I just introduced you to. Look what it Luke says. It says, now as we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl, this young slave girl, who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. The Greek text literally has this one of the places where it says she was a python girl. What's the big narrative in the scripture? The seed of the serpent versus the seed of the woman. 
Those of you that are younger, it's why when you go to the movies, you'll have all kinds of dragons and, and all kinds of pythons and all kinds of snakes. And, and that's part of the world of a down for hundreds of hundreds of years that represents the evil, chaotic side. Like the pharaohs would have a, a big cobra on their head, on their big headdress. And that represented they were the ones in the story of the Bible that were persecuting the people of Moses. Most of you wouldn't even pick it up. In fact, in your translation, you wouldn't see it. But the word that's used for fortune-telling in Greek is the word python, a pythonus. And a pythonus was someone that was, a, was controlled by these dark powers, these serpentine powers. And they would go into ecstasy. And, and you can have descriptions in Greek philosophy where philosophers are analyzing what's going on. And you have popular description of this. At the Delphic Oracle, which isn't too far away from Philippi, you had these fortune tellers, these pythonesses that would be there and they would speak. In fact, the Greek word is like a ventriloquist. Only it's not like we have with a dummy, you know, where you're changing your voice. This is where you have someone who suddenly begins to speak in really weird voices. Have you ever experienced a situation where someone begins to do that? I have. I've been in situations where suddenly someone's voice changes and, and their whole appearance changes and they begin to go into ecstasy and then they begin to speak with a totally different voice. And there's power in that. When all of you understand that as you go through your life, you're going to be exposed to these different kinds of spiritual experiences. And the book of Acts is where you need to be grounded so that you can discern what's going on. Look what happened. It says she earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. This girl followed Paul and the rest of us shouting. What does she shout? These men are servants of the Most High God. Was that true? Tell me. And look at what else she said. They are telling you the way to be saved. Is that true? So what do you do when Satan's telling the truth? This is a weird story. One of the things you need to put in your fabric of understanding what's going on in this conflict is Jesus taught us that Satan is a liar from the beginning, and he is. He's a murderer from the beginning. But some of his greatest deceits is when he tells you the truth. Be careful. You see, some of you are going to be involved in spiritual movements where somebody suddenly has great ecstasy in and they're able to predict incredible things about you and you're going to be pulled into that. Just because someone has that connection with the beyond doesn't mean that you build your life on what they say. This servant girl was controlled by a demon and she was being used by her handlers to make a lot of money. As your pastor and teacher, I want to warn you, in our world today, there are a lot of those that will be supposedly in touch with the beyond. And they will know incredible things about you, and they will do incredible, miraculous things, and they will speak in strange voices and all kinds of things. And they will predict things about the future, and you can be pulled into them. And I want to warn you, you need to be in this revelation. And you need to be in a community of true faith. You need to be connected with believers because we are in a very intense struggle. What happens? Paul, day after day, this happens. So it's repeatedly. Every day they're going to the house of prayer. Every day this young woman comes out and she's shouting out, these are servants of the most high God. 
They're telling you the way of salvation, which actually introduces the theme of our section today. It's we're going to have different ones that find the way of salvation, just like Lydia did the last time she was together. Finally, Paul became troubled. That's to put it mildly. Paul just had had it. See, most of the idea that if you're a really committed believer is you don't ever get upset. See, we, we want to let God tell the story. We want to let him tell us what's right and wrong. In this story, do you think Paul's a good character or a bad character? How many think he's a good character? Okay. So when he gets upset, should we think he's being a bad person? No. Paul gets really upset. He held it together day after day, and finally, he'd had it. And he whipped around. By the way, you're going to have other stories where Jesus does that too. So be careful about just because someone gets upset. What I find is just as someone gets upset, Christians have the idea, well, they're being unholy and they're not being the kind of person they need to be. One of the things the story is forcing us to do is sometimes you need to get upset. There's some things you should get upset about. Paul's upset about what? He's upset that this poor young woman who had been possessed by a demon, we don't know why that happened. But what do we know? One of the things you need to learn about life is you need to follow the money. You all need to understand this. Like, you listen to your teachers, and as you're under the, the influence of a ministry, you're going to different parts of the body of Christ. Follow the money. In this case, where's the money going? This woman is a slave. She has a demonic power that's upon her. She is able, this woman really does have connections with the beyond. And her handlers, who are her masters, are making a big buck because of that. This is satanic and human trafficking. One of the things that the book of Acts is telling you about is that in the present conflict between the serpent seed and the woman seed, and those that are going to ultimately really believe in the Messiah, those that are on the serpent side, they control and enslave young people. They take young women and they make them slaves and they use their gifts to pad their own pockets, follow the money, and you should get upset about it. In the world today, there are more slaves than there's ever been, more than during the, the period before the Civil War in the United States. So one of the areas that we need to be concerned about as evangelicals and followers of Jesus, we're part of the delivering movement that sets an enslaved woman that's being trafficked, that's being controlled, that's being forced to use this weird power. We need to be part of those that set them free. Now, how are you going to do that? Well, one thing, you need to be going to the river. You see, the Apostle Paul, when he came to the Philippi, didn't just sit there and pray after he led Lydia to the Lord. He didn't just stay in Lydia's house. He kept on going to the river because that's where people were. So one of the things I want to ask myself and I want to ask you is, how do you go to the river? What are the connections that you have so that you can meet the python lady, so that you can meet the young servant girl that's being trafficked, so that you can be exposed to someone who is being manipulated and abused and used for profit by really evil men. Where are you going to find them? You want to ask yourself that. Don't just live in your little Christian world because you have this incredible delivering message. You have the one that can set this servant girl free. Some of you need to carve out the time to get trained in this potential protector program. 
I told you the last time there are 300 kids in our high school right now that don't have a responsible adult to call if they're in a crisis. You have an incredible opportunity. We have incredible opportunities around us. You can carve out the time now, plan on it. Go to the administration building. You can learn about the introduction of a protector program because we want to get born-again believers that really know Jesus connected with those 300 kids that need help. And that's where the rubber meets the road. If you're a homeschooler, one of the most powerful things you can do is you have this incredible godliness. You have this incredible power that's among you. You're learning God's word. You also have the time because you can arrange your own schedule to connect with some of those public school kids. You understand what I'm saying? You can't just sit and say, well, the whole world's going to hell in a handbasket. Of course it is. And if you remove the light, if you remove the salt... I'm not asking you to send your kids to be protectors. I'm asking you as an adult to be protectors. The reason I'm being so strong about this is because I've been raised in this evangelical thing. And if you don't get your family connected with people that really need you, if you don't get your family connected with slave girls that are demon-possessed, if you don't get your family connected with young people that don't have any godly parents to help them and you become the godly parent, then this whole Jesus thing is just dead. It's just lifeless. There's no power in it. I promise you, if your kids see demon-possessed girls that go into trances and do all kinds of weird things and Paul whips around and says, in the name of Jesus, I've had it. Come out of her. And a girl that used to rizzle like a python Suddenly, it's herself. I want that to happen today. I want, I want you to pray in all your ministry. Some of you are in the hospital. Some of you are in education. Some of you are in business. Some of you are in universities. And Mary and I just spent a whole week, like I never dreamt. I took my kids to Yale when Jonathan was a high school kid, and, and we spent the day, thought it was a horrible place, you know, totally second to everything else. Who would have ever dreamt? I chased my granddaughters on a 10-speed while they ride their, their bicycles right through the science area of Yale University because they have to go and chase the chickens in at the Yale farm. Yeah, they have a farm right in the middle of New Haven. Who would have ever dreamt that? Because that's what God does. You see, God is putting believers in New Haven. There are believing professors. That they're not all the enemy. And that's what we need to be. You can't say, well, all the universities have gone to hell in a handbasket. If I don't let my son Jonathan, if he has those gifts to bless him in that, if I curse him for being in a university, then how do we have salt and light? That's true in the media and everything else. I want you to understand what Paul is doing. He's making connections. He goes to the riverbank. And I want to challenge us of the church family. We need to be making the connections. And pray for me that I'll be able to do that. And the girl is set free. You say, well, Dave, what's going to happen when you, when you set a woman free and she's exercised and she's now free? Isn't that going to be incredible? And if I get involved and I start to minister to kids in the high school or I start to minister to university kids or I start to minister to my patients, a lot of you are going to be exposed to all kinds of people that are suffering from illness. And as a believing medical person, you can have the power of Jesus in your life. Some of you are in construction and the steel industry. Our church family is going to split up this week. We have incredible salt and light opportunity. You say, well, Dave, what's going to happen if I get involved in that? Well, you're probably going to get whipped and beaten and thrown in jail. I'm just going to be honest with you. 
You see, you're going to have a whole bunch of people that are going to tell you, if you really serve Jesus, you're going to drive nice Cadillacs or Lexi, whatever it might be, or you're drive a Tundra like me. And you're going to live happily ever after. And that's part of it. The Lord really is a great God. He's a, a bountiful Lord. But he also, we're in a conflict. If you're a Marine and you go to Afghanistan, you know what? You're going to get shot at. And that's what happened in this next paragraph. You see, if you're going to be join Paul and Silas on this river trip, and if you're going to make the connections with demon-possessed girls, and you're going to set her free, then what's going to happen? Well, if you take someone's money away, in other words, if you follow the money and you get irritated and you stop human trafficking, guess what the people are going to do that you took their money away? Notice what happened in the next paragraph. When the owners of the slave girl realized that their hope for making money was gone. So what are these guys living for? So what is bad seed, serpent seed, what do they live for? They live for the money. We need to be really careful. We don't live for the money. Money doesn't control us. That's on the dark side of the story. So their hope for money was gone. So they seized Paul and Silas and they dragged them to the marketplace to face the authority and they brought them before the magistrate and they said, these guys, they set a poor girl that was enslaved to us free and she no longer reads like a snake and she no longer is used to tell fortunes and now she's in her right mind. Is that what they say? Now, a lot of you get really upset at the way that the marketplace goes today. I hear all kinds of talk. I just can't believe the culture is like it is right now. People do things just for money. And people accuse people falsely. How many of you gotten really upset about that? Hey, Jesus isn't ruling and reigning yet on the earth. So if you're going to serve Jesus, you need to get in and listen to the story. When you set the slave girl free... It's going to cost you a lot. Look what they say. These men are Jews. What is that? Why did they say these are Jews? The race card. If you're going to serve Jesus, I want all of you to be really careful. Don't you use the race card. Don't you say those Jews. I don't want to ever hear in this church family, and I will get really irritated. I don't want to hear jokes about Jews. I don't want to hear those blacks. I don't want to hear those Hispanics. Racism is used by the serpent seed, not by the seed of the woman. So this morning, as I'm talking to you, the Holy Spirit's convicting my heart and yours. You see, racism is used to divide people. It's used to control them. And it's used on both sides. I spent a lot of time, obviously, a lot of you know, I spent a lot of time with the black community now. They have the same racism that we have on our side. It goes on and on. It's sin. And I want you to see in the book of Acts, it's the bad guys that pull the race card. Why did they pull the race card? Those Jews. As soon as you say those blacks, those Hispanics, those whites, as soon as you use that card, you divide it. And that's what serpent people do. So this morning, if we're the seed of the woman and we've been using that card, we're on the wrong side. We need to repent this morning. We need to confess those jokes. We need to go to some of the people that hurt us. In a political campaign, like right now, the next several months, the race card's going to be used like crazy on both sides of the aisle. Don't do it. Don't use your email to do it. I'm serious. 
Because you're destroying what it means if someone doesn't come to our church anymore to hear God's word taught. And I don't want that to happen. We're, we're in a much bigger game. So be careful of the race car. Those Jews. It's the spirit of Gentile supposed Christians that said those Jews that ended up having six and a half million Jews gassed. And that's why it's so hard to reach them. And I, as a church family, I don't want us to have any part of that. The next thing it says here, those Jews, they are throwing our city in an uproar. They threw the race card. Now they throw the agitator card. In other words, they're disrupting the civil peace of our city. They're teaching us customs, tradition, that's unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. They are pulling out the heavy guns. They come before the magistrates. They are Jews, which means they're the other. They are bad others that are agitating our city and producing riots. And the reason they're producing riots is they're teaching things to our people that destroy our customs. And boy, that's a loaded gun. Well, you can count on the government. The government will really meet your need at that point. Like, you can guarantee there will be some really good judges there that will understand your case. If you get involved with the law court in the United States, I promise you, there will be justice and fairness. A whole bunch of you get really cynical. Suddenly you, you realize, hey, the magistrates don't do the right thing sometimes. Well, the book of Acts prepares you for that. Look what it says here. It says, the crowd joining the attack against Paul and Silas, so we have mob uproar, the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten. And after they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison. They were thrown into prison. And the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully upon receiving such orders to put them in an inner cell, and he fastened their feet in stocks. He said, Dave, I thought... Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. This is not my definition of abundant life. My back hidden with rocks. We debate in our schools about whether or not we should still spank kids. Well, in the Roman world, they took a bunch of big heavy sticks and they just beat someone to a pulp. And then they would throw you in a hole, and these aren't the New England stocks, you know, where you put your hands in and they lower it down, and you put your neck and they lower it down. These are stocks. The Greek word is just tree. They would take a tree, cut it in half, and make holes that you could put your feet through, and they would put your feet in these heavy logs, and then they'd stretch your leg, your other leg, as far as it would go, till you were cramping horribly, and then they would put the log down on you. So Paul and Silas are down in a hole, with their back bleeding from being beaten with rods, and they've got their, their legs stretched and their feet in the stocks. Now, what do you do then? You call time out for this Jesus stuff. I'm not going to serve Jesus anymore. A whole lot of us have decided it's too hard. Jesus didn't come through with what I wanted. I, I reached the python girl. I set her free. I ministered. I listened to kids in the protector program. I was a mentor. I tried to help people. Now I've lost my job. I'm having really hard times with my health, and on and on it goes, and we feel imprisoned. How do you respond as a believer when you're in prison? Jesus did say, I am come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. What do you do when you're a missionary that's been beaten and thrown in jail and your feet are in the stock? Look at the next part of the story. This is incredible. After midnight, Paul and Silas were cursing and saying this serving Jesus thing is a horrible thing to do. And this isn't all what Dave told me at Midlothian Bible Church. 
Jesus did say, I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. And I want every one of you to have that abundant life. You know what the spirit of Jesus wants to do inside of your life? He wants you to be able to sing and praise when your back is beaten and when your feet are in stocks. Because you have connected, not with the demonic side of the great, ultimate, eternal life world, You've connected with the Holy Spirit side. And I want you to know that if you've received Jesus into your heart, then you have a spirit inside your heart that can move you to sing even when you're in pain. Some of you were in pain today when you came. And what I want you to realize is what we did in the beginning of our worship together as Corby led us and prayed and we sang about the love of God being wider and deeper and tired, all those things we did, what the Holy Spirit wants to move us to do is to join Paul and Silas in the midnight of life, in the prison of life. And what I covet for our church family, I just covet that we would stop thinking about the form of that praise and the rhythm of that praise and the, the instruments of the praise. I'm praying that our church family will understand what it means to let the Holy Spirit move us to praise and to sing in the prison of life. And suddenly we're not going to be fighting over our worship style anymore. That's why I needed to sing today. That's why you need to sing. We have people in our church family that are, are, are in life and death struggles with cancer. And when they gather with you, they need the body of Christ to sing. And I can tell you, like in the time of my life, when Mary and I lost David, and we walked into a church late in a body of Christ after a 15-year-old brother-in-law was killed by a drunk driver, when we walked into the church, the church was singing. And I can't tell you the healing grace that moved over my life. In my own life, like when I'm in a crisis, I can still speak and I can still teach but to show you how deep the praise is. At a funeral, when you ask me to sing, that's when I can't do it. I lose it, and I need you to sing. That's what Paul and Silas are teaching us. When you got your back beaten, when you're in the pit, when you're in Stockton, some of you have not literally gone through that, but you've experienced that emotionally, and you've experienced that in your situation, your circumstances. And Paul today is telling us through the Dr. Luke, he's saying, I learned how to sing and bring praise, and I want you to know your heavenly daddy will hear you. In this case, he heard two of his sons singing praise to him in the middle of a Philippian jail, and he shook the whole place. He got so excited. An earthquake came and just knocked the prison down and took the chains off. And the jailer rose up in the middle of the night. You know, he didn't wake up from the singing, but he woke up when there was the earthquake. The text tells us that, that the, all the other prisoners were hearing these crazy evangelicals, born againers, singing in the middle of the night, and they listened. The earthquake came, set them all free, and the, and the jailer rises up. He's a good Roman. He understands the principle of justice. If I let the prisoners go free... If I let them escape, then I need to lose my own life. So he takes out his sword, and he's getting ready to plunge himself through. And it's a dramatic story. Paul looks up in the desk of the prison, sees the jailer who came running outside, looks up from the pit, and he says, no, don't. 
The jailer goes down, takes him out of the hole, takes Silas out of the hole, takes him into a normal setting. And then he says, sir, what must I do to be saved? And Dr. Luke tells us, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And then it says that the apostle Paul went on to explain the word of God to him and to his whole family. And it says the jailer and all of his household believed in Jesus. You say, Dave, how do you know he believed in Jesus? Because he took him out of the hole. He put food before him. He bathed his wounds that he just left totally unattended. But when you come to Jesus, you feed people. When you come to Jesus, you heal wounds. You see, as Americans, we're getting more and more. We don't show hospitality to one another. People stay in hotels. And I want to really challenge you to enter into that joy because that's what's happened in the book of Acts. How do I know that the Philippian jailer really got saved? Because instead of beating up on evangelists, he feeds evangelists. And I desperately need that at times. Instead of cursing evangelists, now he invites them to come to the house. One of the ways that we show that we're the household of God, that we are brothers and sisters to one another, we show hospitality throughout our whole church family. And that hospitality starts to reach out to unbelieving people. We pull them into our homes and into our relationships. It's going to be one of the most powerful things that we do the next generation because American society is going to hunger to get away from those iPhones. They're going to hunger to get away from all the technology. They're going to want real, honest-to-goodness people that you can actually see, you can actually talk to them, you can actually eat home-cooked meals instead of McDonald's hamburgers. That's going to be an incredible thing to reach out to people. The book of Acts already understood this 2,000 years ago. See, Dave, I don't know how to reach people. Have the people on your block into your home. Have outdoor barbecues. Let them smell all the steaks grilling. They'll come over like crazy. And the Holy Spirit uses that. The Philippians jailer can do this. There's one final scene that you can read. After this incredible salvation experience, the magistrates wake up the next morning. They go, oh, no, we've punished them enough. We beat them, put them in a prison all night. That's enough for a measly charge that was probably trumped up anyway. That was a trumped up charge. We're going to let it go. So they send their soldiers, they send the policeman, Chris. They sent like the equivalent of a Dallas. This is a Philippian policeman that comes and says, you guys can leave. Now, what do you do as a believer when you've been falsely charged, you've been falsely beat up, and you've been falsely imprisoned? What do you do? Well, everybody knows that good believers are like little mice. They never do anything. They never get upset. Remember we started out, we're supposed to be like really milquetoast. Paul won't leave. Paul does a sit-in. He says, I'm not going anywhere. And the Philippian jailer says, no, go in peace, go in peace. It's no, not going to do it. He says, you're not going to do it. Why not? He said, I forgot to tell you, I'm a Roman citizen. And the roof fell in. Because they had, they had broken Roman law. Philippi was a Roman colony, supposed to be just like living in Rome. And the magistrates were really proud of that. And they had no idea that Paul and Silas were native-born. Though they were Jewish, they were also Roman. So be careful about the judgments you make. So the apostle Paul makes the magistrates come, and he makes them personally escort them out of the jail. And they say, we want you to depart our city because we don't want to have all this possibility of, of a big riot again. 
The Apostle Paul doesn't hurry. He goes to Lydia's house. He encourages the believers, and then he quietly leaves the city so that everybody knows that Christianity isn't outlawed in the Roman Empire. Now, that's being wider the serpent is harmless the dove, and that's what I wanted to do this week. We have a living Holy Spirit inside of us that can set Python women free, that can work in the midst of all the beatings and the imprisonment and the earthquakes because God has Philippian jailers that need to come to Jesus. The Lord's going to bring you in contact and me in contact with some of those people this week.